What up, everybody? It's Cuff of the Vision Lab Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. If you're looking for the best insurance and customer service, make sure you pick up the phone and dial 972-645-1844. Whether it's home, life, or business insurance, Robert and his staff are the best at protecting you and your family. Once again, that's Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. Agency. The phone number, 972-645-1844. And the website is farmersagent.com forward slash R Garcia. And don't forget to mention the Vision Lab podcast. What's going on? It's Ken Hamlin with the Arrival Cigars. And you listen to Mo and Cuff on the Vision Lab podcast. Welcome back to another great episode of the Vision Lab podcast in partnership with Nexum Creative. I'm your host, Ryan Cuffey, alongside with my co-host, Mr. Ryan Mosley. The Vision Lab is a platform focused on growth and exploring the developmental path of people's visions and dreams and how those dreams come into reality. It's all about tapping into and becoming the best versions of ourselves through self-discovery, self-examination, and self-actualization. Yo, the Vision Lab has arrived. Hey, Omo, who do we got in the building tonight? Cuff, today's guest is a native of Memphis, Tennessee. He was an All-American at the University of Arkansas. He was a second-round pick of the Seattle Seahawks in the 2003 NFL Draft. He spent eight years in the NFL, including three years here with the Dallas Cowboys. He just released his very own line of cigars titled The Arrival. Please welcome the one and only Ken Hamlin to the Vision Lab podcast. What up, what up, what up, Q? What's going on, what's going on, doggy? How are you, sir? I'm good, man, I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, of course, blessed with whatever, and definitely... uh, a pleasure to be on the show with you guys, man. The uh, the the pleasure is ours, man. Um, before we get started, let's give a quick shout out to uh, our sponsors. Absolutely, uh, Robert Garcia and the family at Farmers Insurance and Lucas slash Allen Texas. Thank you guys so much. Um, Edwina Brown and the family here at Blowing Smoke, where we're actually recording this episode. Eb, thank you for all of your help and support, and you too as well, Jacoby. Uh, the good guys, Definition Cigars. Shout out to Jerwin, especially for making this happen and uh, being the plug. Yeah. Uh, you guys keep putting great products out there. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you guys very, very soon. Uh, Tim and Crystal at Class A Vodka. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we have a great relationship. And, and as Crystal says, we are married for life. Thank you guys so much. Um, and Dallas Leaf LLC, Ron, Taz, Sheree, David, um, everybody. Thank you guys so much. And uh, it's, it's good to be, uh, to, to be back united again. So, Doggy, let's uh, let's just jump right on into it. Um What's the hardest thing you've ever had to overcome? Uh, uh, me being a hardhead, uh, I've, I've sort of put a few obstacles out there in my way. Um, uh, I would say, you know what, growing up, whatever you can, you can see it's a whole bunch of things. Community, uh, just just the livelihood of, of growing up in a family could be difficult. I've I've had different hardships. Uh, probably one would be one tough one that a lot of people probably already know about is me in Seattle and. Um, and having to uh, have my life almost taken from me and um, and having to overcome the obstacle of, of healing and still trying to get back to play something, play the game that I love. So for those that are not familiar, obviously we're, we know kind of the, a little bit of the story. Mm-hmm. Would you mind taking us back to that night and, and, and talking about how, you know, that could have been it? Um, well, yeah, because I, I, people got the, uh, I guess, the edited version. Um, but uh, it was a regular week. We had a game. Uh, it was Halloween weekend, actually. 
had a game against Houston. And uh, to rewind a little bit before that, I, I had an off-season surgery um, on my on my. Uh, uh, I had a torn labrum and had an off-season surgery back in Houston. My rehab uh, physician worked me out, got me back right. So them being from Houston, we're playing Houston in Seattle. I got her and her husband tickets to the game. They came up for the game. I had other friends there. I had my brother there. And uh, so after the games, I have a Sunday night set that I normally do. So uh, we won the game, went to the place. Uh, you know, we were chilling there for a little bit. And uh, it wasn't as lively as as I guess we wanted to be. So some other guys suggested we go somewhere else. We ended up going to that location. Nice. I mean, it was ha had a good time. Uh, the night for me was over. So we, we decided to leave. Um, and nothing transpired inside of the, inside of the establishment. Not, nothing uh, went wrong. Uh, got outside, though. And it seemed like it was a whole nother club going on outside. It mm. was like uh, just people amongst people standing outside. So it was crowd. It was so crowded that I had to actually grab people's hands and try to pull them through the crowd. And um, I lost connection with the person I was holding the hand. And when I reached back, I touched somebody else's hand. And this dude took offense to it. Uh, started, you know, yelling and 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 calling everybody out of their name and. Um, from that moment, words were exchanged. Um, someone, I don't know if it was security or not, but somebody sprayed pepper spray. Um, so everybody sort of scattered. I was, I can remember I was up against the glass of the, of the club, you know, just trying to wipe my eyes and, and clear, my, clear my eyes. And when I came off of the glass, I, I could tell that it was just people surrounding me. The guy that initiated the conversation and then a whole bunch of other people were surrounding me. So I'm backing up, trying to make sure nobody gets behind me or whatever. I look across the street, my brother and my one friend, they're getting jumped by like 15, 15 to 20 people. Um, I'm trying to get them to come on my way because I'm trying to back up to where my car is around the corner. And um, the guy that initiated, he ran up on me. I hit him and kept trying to back up. And when I got to the corner, I was backing up to the corner. I was trying to get everybody to come with me there was a guy hiding around the corner and uh, he, he pistol with me. And uh, that's when everybody started jumping on me. And um, I, I could, well, from that point, it was basically people telling me the story uh, that he pulled the gun on me and it didn't go off. Then it jammed or something. And my brother and some other friends jumped on top of me and was asking him not to shoot me. That like basically saying they, they've done enough. Like you don't need to shoot. So, I went to the hospital, um, not really still not knowing what's me, not knowing what was going on with me uh, physically. Uh, but I come to find out I had a fractured skull. I had um, I had a broken hand, fractured skull. And I could just remember them waking me up periodically and not knowing what for. I'm, and, um, but they were trying to make sure, I guess, where I had the fracture, it was like where your speech pattern and everything um, is developed. So they were trying to make sure I could still talk right and everything. Uh, to me, I felt like I just had a headache and a, and a hurt hand. But um, the doctor quickly told me that I might not be playing football again, uh, which I dismissed immediately. Um, but uh, that was, a, I mean, it was a crazy situation. The guy that actually um, was hiding around the corner was a guy that, had just recently got out of jail on a manslaughter charge. It's always that dude. Oh man. <laughs> and they showed me security uh, footage 
he had a jersey hiding his face because he was actually at a halfway house and he was paying somebody. He wasn't supposed to be out anyway. No. He was paying somebody, paying the guys that were working there uh, to let him out at night. And uh, to his demise, um, someone must have seen him out too because within the hour, probably two hours or an hour after that, they ended up killing him. Um, oh. Uh, maybe a block or two away from where this incident happened. Oh, wow. So – there was a lot going on that night. Um, and then to have to, of course, you know, my mom has to get the call. She's in Houston. You know, I'm always in Seattle. So that's another thing of, you know, putting her through all of that. And then me having to go. I was in the hospital a week, I think six or seven days. Um, of course, this guy gets killed. So all of his family and friends think that I had something to do with it. So they got me basically hidden in the hospital. Um, but it was just a lot because then I had to go, movie. oh man, it was, uh, look, it was, it, it was crazy. And then that's not even getting to the, I guess the rehab and, the, and, uh, having to recover part. Um, and I mean, I went through probably a good three weeks of just 24 hour headaches. Like, oh. I mean, I, I used to, I, I would wear, um, one of those airplane pillows around my head just cause every time I got up, I would get, I would get dizzy and my equilibrium wasn't right. And, um, so this, I started questioning, like, was this doctor right? Like, you know, is he like really speaking something into existence? Um, having to go visit different doctors, um, flying across the country, whatever, to go visit these doctors. I went to Boston and met with a NASCAR doctor who dealt with head injuries with NASCAR drivers and that type of stuff. So, I mean, it was a long process, man. And then on top of that, my team is, is winning. Uh, that's the year we went to the Super Bowl. So not being able to, oh man, not to be able to play when we were actually in that game in the Super Bowl against Pittsburgh, we were down to our fourth, our practice squad safety had to start in the game against in the Super Bowl because I got hurt, the backup uh, safety got hurt, and the third string safety got hurt. So just to watch and have to had to go through all of the things whatever that year, and on top of it to get the story behind the whole incident that we were at this place um, and all of this goes down and the teammates that I was there with were ghosts. So that was just on top of it. And then, you know, to have to play another year, once I finally got recovered to play another year with these guys. Um, and they, they're seeing what's happening. Oh yeah. So that made it a little bit more difficult because of course, my trust level went down. But at um, that point, it's easy to get out, leave too. You, you, oh you, yeah, I'm sure. At that point, you were like, "My contract expires on oh, no, no, exactly no. I, I told, one day." I told my agent, um, you know, down south, like uh, my 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 contract. That was my third year that happened. My fourth, so the fourth year where I was playing, I already told him, uh, "I'm getting back down south." I mean, I've, I've been up here in the Northwest, good a good three years, going on four years. I need to get back to something that's a little bit more familiar with me. So. Um, he already knew where I wanted to be in the area of where I wanted to be. So <laughs> all the other teams, even if, even if they were calling, uh, it was time for me to go. So I, I was definitely uh, ready to depart. I, I want to go back to something. Um, you talked about the doctor was, you know, um, somewhat you were questioning whether or not he was speaking things into existence. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big words of affirmation uh, person. And of course, our podcast is about growth mindset, mm -hmm. right? So let's kind of tap into the mindset of an athlete. Um, you know, NFL vet, former pro bowler, you know, um, 
what type of mindset ha- did you have to have in order to get to the heights and the level that you reached? Oh, I mean, I, you got to overcome so much mentally. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time, I didn't I didn't start until my 10th grade going into my 11th grade. I, I didn't start until then. So I I struggled with wanting to be on a field and either my fit, my my play or the people that around me were play was just better. Um, and of course, you know, as a young player, I'm always, it was always, you know, the coaches don't want to let me play type of thing. But in reality, I either wasn't ready or the guys were just better than me that were, in, that were starting. So now is this one of those Jordan situations where you're a freshman trying to be on varsity and start, or oh, were you really, like- well, I was on, I was, and, and this is coming from me now I'm from Memphis. So grew up in Memphis now, um, time out, time out. So are we talking Bill street, Memphis, or I'm talking about Memphis, North, North Memphis, Straight street, uh, walking home with dope heads and 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 dealers all around. I mean, I I used I used to. This is how like so a lot of the dealers used to actually to keep me focused. They would they would actually pay me every interception, every touchdown, whatever. I I get five to ten dollars every interception, every touchdown. This would keep me from even thinking about, you know, you don't need to be out here. Boom, do this. You don't need to be even looking at, at this, whatever. Go, go and do what you're doing. And of course, they seen me being successful. So of course, they wanted. Um, it was the crazy part of it because they wanted the best for me too. So we talking about we, we talking about we ain't talking about the uh, the Bartlett and and, and the, the areas on the outside. We talking about straightening the, the meat and potatoes of, of what Memphis was about. So, um, I mean, that, that's just. I, I think that my mindset was about wanting. Of course, you know, I wanted it more than anything. But uh, like I said, I don't know if I was ready. Um, cause I mean, of course, you know, Jordan has his story and everything. And, and I think that he has been a talented guy all the way through. I, I think I had to grow into it. And I think that made a, got a chip on my shoulder even more to where I don't care who's telling me, no, I don't care who's, you know, who, who's, who's in front of me. I know I'm gonna have to work even harder to get there. Now. And I love that, uh, that mindset. I think we all realize or recognize that anything worth having is worth fighting for yes indeed. right um a couple episodes ago i'm not sure which one it was but we talked about and mo you probably remember this the 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 spring analogy right the more you oh, want yeah. something it's kind of like sitting like if you're squatting right or you're trying to jump if you were trying to mm-hmm. jump and you you stood flat-footed didn't bend your knees and try to jump you're going to get off the ground a little bit yep. right but imagine if you compress and you actually drop your butt, you squat down, and then you you jump, you're going to get a heck of a lot higher off the ground, yeah. right? Well, why is that? Well, it's resistance. You you squat down, you press, and you push, and you jump. And that's how success works. Yeah. Like, the more that you want something, the more compressed you have to be, the more tension in that spring or, or you know, in this theoretical spring that exists, right? You're going to be tested. Yeah, and yeah. it's how bad you want it is how far you're going to go after, you know, you finally jump. Definitely. I, I think, well, <laughs> I can remember my, my track coach in high school, uh, especially my ninth and 10th grade year, when track season came around, he would always tell me, you don't have, you don't have to beg to play, uh, to run, to run. <laughs> I've got a spot for you to run. <laughs> right. and so he understood my frustrations too, when it came to football, but he, he would let me know, we're not, we're not doing that crying out here. You're going to run. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think everything around it sort of sort of just built me up even more to want it more because I knew that either so many people felt like I couldn't get it 
or or just the obstacle was that much bigger and I had to go ahead and hurdle that that obstacle. So there was no there was no doubt that I was going to overcome it because I had it in my mind that I was going to overcome it. So it, it always it, starts it, with your mind. It definitely does. And I think I mean I, I was never this big dude. I was never somebody that was just oversized or over just overly uh, had speed, but like I tell people to this day, it didn't matter who they put in my position. I could teach them everything that I know. I don't mind that either because I know that I'm going to do the little things, whatever, better to where if he runs a 4-2, my 4-4 is still going to stand up against him because him having to think about it, then process it, then put it into play, I'm already, when I think about it or whatever, I, or I get the information, I'm already processed. It's already done. So I was going to make sure that it didn't matter who it was. I'm, I'm going to overcome their speed, their strength, or whatever it could be, whatever, to make sure that I get the job done. And, and to that point, do you feel like it's better that you had to go through it that way versus you being like some type of child prodigy to where everything was just kind of handed to you? Because, you know, we see stuff all the time, you know, guys get to a certain level of success and then for whatever happened, for whatever reason, the bottom just drops yeah. out. And then you go back and do the digging around. It's like, well, this guy's been a prodigy since he was like 15 years old. He's never really had to get his hands dirty to achieve anything. Looking back on it now and, and what you've achieved and what you're trying to get done now, do you feel like it? That has served you well. Oh, I've seen it. You had to grind for everything. I've seen it. I mean, I've seen guys who had speed from birth, um, who had the physical talents from birth. The one thing with that, and sometimes the downfall is, and and hopefully a lot of the younger guys don't don't fall to this, but the downfall is that you don't you don't work on the little things. You don't work on work even harder because you know whatever that you know what I, I, I'm good here, but I might be weak in this area. You just worry about your strengths and you just roll on your strengths because they've gotten you to the point that you're at. With me, I, I oh, the whole board or whatever, I had to make sure to work on and, and try to overcome so many different things. So it built me up to be a guy, like I said, the chip was on my shoulder from the beginning. And I'm, I'm curious about that. Was that someone telling you, hey, Ken, you can do this, I believe in you? Or was it more innate, like, man, you know what, <laughs> bump this. I, I got to make this happen. Like, it's just something inside of you. Like I said, it's innate. Where where you're going to win no matter what. It was it, it was in me. I, I so I played four sports going um, throughout throughout high school and um and was successful in baseball track uh, successful basketball I played I was great at the de defending okay at scoring but uh, I think that football was the one thing that that challenged me even more and of course when you have guys who are fast you have guys who are bigger you're all these different things now you have different challenges throughout a whole practice or a game. So it was something in me that, I mean, Memphis in itself, whatever, can try to weigh you down, just in the, all the negative things that could be going on around you. So it's it was more of me, whatever, definitely wanting to get out, wanting to do something better, wanting to be one of the first at my school to actually come out of that and actually do something and, and make it to a certain level. So it was a lot of different things, whatever, that, I mean, I used and could have used to, to really get myself mentally ready and uh and actually have that sort of that sort of grind to want to get to a whole nother level was was your vision always to the you know make it to the league i didn't know i didn't know if it was to the league i mean i listen growing up i wanted to be a veterinarian i mean that that was like my thing i, I dealt with animals like i mean we would come home and go get this animal this animal this animal and just <laughs> i mean i can remember growing up me and my brothers fought a duck for for his eggs so we could try to hatch the eggs i mean we would <laughs> All, we were some bad kids, whatever, but we would do stuff. I mean, but so that was like the thought back then. But I don't know if it was ever to just play professional football, because 
from my school and just from my area, I, I had nobody before me that was coming back and be like, oh, well, this is what I did. You could be this. There was no so roadmap. We didn't have that vision. No, we didn't have that, that roadmap to sit there and say, okay, this guy did it. This is what I could do to get there. So it was, and we didn't have the camps like that. I mean, I, I went to, the only camp that I ever went to growing up was uh, Penny Hardaway's camp. Mm. And uh, I mean, to see a guy whatever, from the neighborhood, from the area to, to make it was, a, was definitely a light, but we didn't have anybody in that same genre that was doing it and, and making it to that level. So it was just on a, the, the personal goal and the personal grind. I love that. How was your experience coming from Memphis being in the league, how has that translated into the business world? Well, the grind is still the same. It's just in a different, just in a different, different atmosphere. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. We learn so much by playing that team sport, by by knowing how to work. That's why so many guys that play football in general, even if it's not in the league, can go and be certain things at different companies because they have they have they have the roadmap already. Because you're working with so many different people to come to a common goal. That's every company. I mean, of course, you can go into a 500, uh, Fortune 500 company and run it because you know what it takes, especially if you've been a leader, a captain, or you know what it takes to bring all of these guys together to try to get to that one goal. And I think that's the biggest thing, stepping away from sports. You still use the same the same concept. You're just doing it in a different atmosphere, a different genre. But you got you got to have that same mindset on wanting to win. And I think that's the one good and bad thing with guys that play sports is the competitive nature never ends. You can't cut it off. Oh man, I don't care if we pitching pennies, if we playing <laughs> dominoes, if we, it doesn't matter what we're doing. We have that itch to want to win. So you put that in a guy that's, that's now focused on the business side of things. It just, it, it drives the same, it's the same car in a different lane. To that point, um, you, you obviously, you know, once you retired, you know, everyone always talks about, OK, well, it's my, my second phase of life, if you will. Like, I got to find my, my new itch to scratch. Yeah. Um, obviously, you were, you got to a point where you kind of pick and choose or, or what lane you were going to occupy. Um, and you know, there, there's a saying me and Cuff were talking about on the way over, you know, and I'm probably going to butcher it. But it's the whole thing about basically like if you if you find something that you're passionate about and you put your energy into it, you never you never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. When did your passion for cigars start to develop? Is that something that happened on the back end of your career, or is it you just sit around for a little bit and think about, okay, what am I really, really interested into? Like, how did that how did that come to be? Well, I think that was that was sort of me. I mean, I enjoyed cigars for while I played, um, but I think that it it grew as I grew in the knowledge of of cigars, as I grew in and learning about it, going to different events. <clears throat> being around people who, like you think about it, I mean, you, you you be around in football, being around pro bowlers, and you be around guys who won championships, you start to, to take a little bit from these guys and get that knowledge from these guys. Same thing in that cigar world. You be at these different events, and you're talking to a factory owner. You're talking to a guy who's a master blender and, and has been doing this for 25, 30 years. And you start to get the different type of knowledge, not just smoking it, but now you're understanding everything that got into this one cigar. How many hands have touched this one cigar and what it takes to really put it all together to come up with this and to actually consistently come up with it every time. And I think that knowledge um, and just that information, that opportunity to be around those type of people sort of just grew in me to where I'm like the possibility of me having my own. And um, and and I never got to the point where it's like, you know, I just want to have something to just have personal. It was always. Um, wanting to challenge myself to have something where other people will enjoy. 
And um, I think that that happened probably maybe four or five years ago. And then the opportunity came when I went to a pro cigar fest in, in Santiago in Dominican Republic. And the first time I went, I just wanted to be a part of the experience. I mean, it was, I mean, just I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to be a part of it, see what's going on. And then the second year I went, I, I had some conversations with some of the factory owners and the conversations were, I mean, they were open. I mean, they were, they were like, you want to do what? Well, come on back and we'll, we'll see what we can do. And I'm like, Oh, well, I'm thinking we got to sign paperwork and do all this. We got, no, it was, it was just a common conversation and, and the, the relationship developing and let's work together because they have the love for it as well. So it was just wanting to grow on that. So you're at this festival and, you know, the, the master rollers and the blenders, once, once they kind of get an understanding that, that you actually have a true love for, at least a love of the leaf, if you will, mm -hmm. they're open book as far as information goes. And obviously we're gonna dis discuss the product we have here in front of us here in just a second, but Cuff and I are both curious, what was what what really struck the match to where you said internally, this is what I'm gonna do? What like, was the I, genesis? Yeah, what was the genesis of the arrival? Well, before I got to, to developing the, the arrival, I actually remember I, went and I got some um, some Cuban Cuban seeds from um, a guy actually got them shipped from uh, Alaska and um, I started growing my own tobacco in my backyard really yeah and um, you know googled all the different information <laughs> I had to do every step and everything and uh, I can turned to the a first garden time. overnight oh man I can remember the first time because I had a little garden my mom gardens heavily. So I had a little garden in my backyard too, but I um, I went the different steps, had the little Petri dish, whatever, grew them to a certain height, transported them to another level, did all of that and um, just grew them the first year. And then, so I was like, okay, they grew. I mean, I, cool. And then the second time, so the next time coming around spring, I didn't even, I didn't even plant them again. I saw what I thought was weeds growing in the garden and let them grow a little bit more and, and realize they were tobacco leaves growing again. I'm like, these, this is like, okay, well now <laughs> this is telling me something, whatever I need to go ahead and the next step. So I went the next step. I cut the leaves. I, I, I hung them up to, to, to dry. And I actually thought that I was doing the fermentation process was doing it all wrong. But, <laughs> um, and I can remember going back to one of the events in Vegas, um, IPCPR and um, talking with one of the, one of the growers, and telling him what I did. And he was giving me all the information. We sat down for like 30 minutes and he was just giving me information back and forth. And I can remember meeting, seeing him again at the Pro Cigar. And he was like, Ken, I, I, can, I can tell that you really genuinely like enjoy what we do. He was like, man, if you ever do come up with your own cigar, I will help you, I will help you develop it. And that sort of got the idea deep in my head, like, wow, okay. So I started just having little conversations with different factories, different different companies. And I can remember I narrowed it down. Once I got to the point where I was like, you know what, this could happen. I narrowed it down to two major companies, uh, La Aura and uh, Quesada, just off of the, the vibe relationship um, from being up there and being at different events and us just sitting down and talking. And when I, um, I went to their factory, talked with a few of the people and that night 
I can remember meeting Guillermo Leon. He was the head of, of uh, La Aurora. And he walked to me and said, I heard that you're interested in, in doing your own thing. And I'm like, yeah. He was like, let me know when you want to come back down. I'm going to check my schedule and uh, I'll sit with you and we'll put something together. Now, it seems like a small thing, whatever, but I mean, <clears throat> I know like Guillermo Leon, for people who don't know, this, this guy, he's like fourth generation. Um, so it for the US, like Jeff Bezos is like 1%, and I can't remember the actual uh, initials, but he's like 1% of the US income. Guillermo is like 10% of Dominican income. Wow. Like, so he's, he's bigger than Jeff you know, Bezos. he's he's like a boss like type type cat but very low-key very chill very down to earth and every time I would go there he would pick me up we'd go to the factory I'd spend I'd be in the factory like I was actually working from nine to five I'm in there you know and time would just fly by we're working on different stuff looking at different stuff and I can remember in the evenings he would always drop me off like what are you doing this evening we would go eat dinner and different stuff like that so the, the relationship built to where I felt comfortable with him. He felt comfortable with me. Um, and we sort of let our guards down and just really started developing a relationship. And then I started talking with the master blender, uh, Manny, um, Manuel uh, Leon, uh, Manuel and Noah. And um, once we got to where it was like, okay, let's go in the factory. Let's see what you like. So we started going with what I normally smoke. And then we started putting some things together. And I let them know that, it, this wasn't just going to be about me. This wasn't a, a you know something I was going to have a personal stash in my house, or whatever. Even though I want to be able to enjoy it, but I'm looking at more of the big, the big picture. picture. Yeah. So we we started changing things up, and when you get to where you have access to all this different tobacco, and you can sort of just play with this, 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 and put it together, and, and we got raw. It, nothing looking like this, like the tobacco, <laughs> like the cigar we're smoking. It's raw. Take this leaf, this leaf, this leaf. Roll it and smoke it, and see what you like. So that that just intrigued me even more because I'm like, this is coming straight off of like off the shelf and you just putting it together and smoking it. So it, it just became more enjoyable. Uh, last year alone, I think I was there probably seven or eight times wow. um, and spending like five or six days down there. And I'm just in the factory and and the time just flies by to where like it, it's not a job. It's, it's a it's not a it's not a task. It's not a hard task. It's something that, you know, I'm just down there just enjoying myself, but I'm actually creating something. So that was the initial like jump start of even the arrival being a a, a, a thought or, or actually put into play and then from there it was really now let's narrow it down let's find out what you really want to do how you wanted to feel how you wanted to smoke how you wanted to taste and of course manny uh manny and noah he's he's the master blender he i mean this dude can sit there and smell you smoking something and tell you what it is type of thing now, I'm curious, did you know, obviously you've been smoking since your time in the league, so you're, you're not um, a novice to, to cigar smoking, but were you, I guess the best word to say it is, were you educated enough to know your own palate? Oh, no. And, and to be able to say, okay, this has got some coffee notes, this has got this, this has got that, or, or was it that trip down to the DR that, that really – opened you up to oh, like oh wow this the is multiple the multiple trips down there helped me out even more because i you know i did the little things while you know while smoking at the lounge you know you pull it i got the app the uh the uh cigar scanner app, i got that whatever, too, right? so you can know what you're smoking and what i did actually me and one of the guys at the lounge we we basically picked like five of the cigars that we loved 
And we started looking at what it had. And all of them had Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. We were like, well, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. Now you break it down. What else does it have? And you start. we started looking at that. That sort of got me a little educated on the, on the leaf. But going down there, I mean, he actually has an educational like like uh, a cigar box to where you go through like a 40 minute thing with him and he breaks down into a, a actual cigar has every leaf in it. You smoke each one individually. He lets you know what this one, the, the, the whole concept of each leaf. Then you smoke the last the, the actual cigar to fill it, to see it all together. That type of thing sort of like really got me a little bit more you know, knowledgeable on the different, the different tobacco. And then of course you start learning about all the different ones. And just last year alone, I was in Honduras, Nicaragua. So I got to sort of get a concept of all the different type of uh, tobacco and how this one seed can be grown in these different regions and give you a whole different concept. So I think that was the more knowledgeable going down there gave me the more knowledge. I mean, I, it opened my eyes to a whole different concept of actually a, a, a cigar. And see, this is what I really appreciate about this particular conversation or interview, however you want to look at it. Like we're getting a chance to to pull back the curtain because it's so fresh in mm -hmm. your mind to see what that actually. I mean, we're talking about the actual tobacco seed. We're talking about meeting with cigar uh, master rollers yeah. and blenders um, and that whole experience. Man, I think this is absolutely dope. Based off of those trips to all those regions, and this is going to lead into the cigar itself. What is your favorite region in regards to tobacco? I would say Dominican, then Nicaragua. Um, See, of course, Dominican's giving you the the flavor. Nicaragua will give you that power, that strength. And I think that was the, I mean, of course, you smoke the different different tobaccos and you start the different cigars and you start to to really understand wh where, where your range is. Um, and I, I started realizing, okay, you know, I like I like a little strength depending on when or what I'm smoking, but more I'm more in the middle. But my biggest thing with my cigar, what I wanted to be was something that had complexity. I didn't mm -hmm. want to go. You will be pigeonholed. Too, I, yeah, because I didn't want to go too strong, and then you leave the light smokers out because they're not going to be able to handle it, or the female smokers who are just getting started, or the guy smokers who are just getting started, and then they won't be able to really enjoy it because it's going to be too strong. I didn't want to go too light to where a guy who smokes a tailpipe type of cigar is like, yeah, this isn't this isn't my everyday, I can't do this because it doesn't give me anything. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be somewhere in the middle and give it some complexity so that a light smoker can smoke it, but at the same time, it might not be as strong for a guy who smokes a, a full cigar, but it's gonna, it's gonna be so complex that it's gonna keep his attention as well. He can appreciate it. Yes, indeed. You know what, just listening to you, first of all, I, I wanna tip my hat to you, Ken, because you thought this through. Right. Oh, yeah. Th this this was a process. Yes, indeed. Um, and I don't know how many years. I mean, you can share that if, if you like. But um, you've done your research. You know, you started your own t tobacco mini farm in, in your <laughs> yeah, backyard. Yeah. Right. You, you go you go to the top and, and you talk to one of the most well-known folks in the cigar game. Um, so so you do your research you start to put things into action. What's kind of the next step when you, before you, you actually bring out the arrival? Uh, being in the factory. Uh, the one thing about this uh, this process, you got to smoke. <laughs> you got to smoke a lot. Uh, I can remember one of my friends, one of my close friends, he came down there with me one time and I told him, I said, look, we were going to get in and really just start testing different blends. And um, I said, you're probably going to smoke 10 to 12 cigars before before noon. 
And and he was like, no, no not, way. not full cigars though. No, no, not full cigars, but enough to where you you're feel yeah, it. you're gonna feel it. And and the thing, so we get there and we get there by eight, nine o'clock, and the master blender is bringing out three or four different blends that we talked about the day before. And so he has them already wrote, he rolled them out, he got them ready for us. So now once you smoke those and you go around the round table on them, okay, you know what? I wanted to have a little bit more of this, that, and the other. So he leaves, just brings back a handful of tobacco, slaps it down and just starts rolling right there. And like, here, try this one. Now these got more strength, got more kick, got more. So now you're, you're over there smoking something. Now you're just going through this one. Now you're going through a whole nother set. So it was, it's basically just a smoking session, a round table of <laughs> trying to get an idea on where is the range that we want to be at. And and you do that on multiple days. So you, you got to smoke to really get an understanding. You, and you got to smoke what what I guess if it's not what you, what you want, you got to smoke a lot of bad tobacco to get to the good. And and here's what's crazy about it. Um, for anyone that's, you know, this is the first time that they've listened to the podcast, Um or, you know, they're just not familiar with cigars in general. When, you, when you're smoking these, it's really similar to wine or or coffee. If yeah. you're, you know, a coffee or wine connoisseur, um, each cigar is unique and different yeah. with the blends and so on and so forth. So my question to you, Ken, is when you're smoking 10 cigars before noon, how can you taste the variations between cigar one to four to eight to 10? Like, how can you tell the differences um from each one from each one that that that's what blows my mind coffee <laughs> a lot of coffee uh whether you're smelling coffee beans drinking coffee um it, it it's a lot of coffee water um to really try to try to get your palate back to back to zero and to start over so um uh, yeah i I really never even drank coffee until I got to got got to DR. <laughs> but when I get up there, I'm on espressos all day long. I was gonna say, is, is it as strong as they say oh, it is? Man, it's, it's it's great actually. I love Dominican coffee, so um, it's not a bad thing to have to do. But um, I think that was the biggest thing is is having that to sort of reset you to go to the next one. So let me push the ball forward just a little bit. So you go through all the taste testing, all the researching, and at some point you found you, you you found what it is that we're smoking today mm -hmm. so before i have you actually describe it why the name the arrival so initially uh the name that i wanted um i was going to go with the hammer and i was actually going to do uh the spanish version of it and call it el martillo which is spanish for a hammer um then you have to go through all the legal uh, ramifications. <laughs> so we got the cigar lawyers involved and they, they gave me a, a heavy no, um, mm. because just because, you know, other companies have, uh, some type of some type variation. variation of that, or they have it in a different sense, whatever the case may be. And my thing was, is that I didn't want to come into this, uh, industry that is heavy. I mean, we're not in this industry like that. I mean, if you got some black, and we have some here in Dallas, Houston, there's some black uh, cigar owners, but we're not a big percentage, whatever. And then just in general, being me, who I am, I don't want to come into something and rub this person wrong, this person wrong, this person wrong, just being stuck on this one name. So I put that to the side and I, and my lawyer, the lawyer basically, cause I was shooting him like one name here. Okay, let's try this one. He was like, Ken, don't send me anything with just one anymore. <laughs> Sit down and come up with like, 
15 or 20 names that you that, that you can like really you uh, rock with. understand like what you're trying to what you're trying to be a part of and um then we'll go through that i sent them like 20 or 25 names and it, it took me about a good three weeks because you know something pop in your head i go write it down uh, i could be walking around I put it in my phone so all these different things come up and and i didn't want to just throw a name out there i wanted to actually mean something so it took some time so i sent him that he probably shut down a good 18 of them <laughs> and and uh we had about <laughs> Had about six to roll with, and he was like, "These are yeses and maybes, so go with these." And from that, um, when I saw the arrival, I mean, I I thought about a few things. I mean, I thought about when you show up, like when you when you arrive, when you come on the set, when you even in the football terms, whatever, when you make that play. I mean, you arrive, you you have made your stamp on that moment, and um, and that's what really sort of just caught my eye with, with the arrival because. I wanted it to be that okay you, you have you have made it you have you have gotten to that point you have come to wherever you at you have landed there's a lot of different things that ran in my head to really make that the one that i wanted to go with and it just uh even though i kept looking at other ones that one always came back um as the one that really like caught my eye so that's the one i went with now we are smoking the arrival yes yeah. we are and this is a great cigar fan Fantastic. I you, appreciate you, it. Man. Your research paid off. I'll put it yes. to you like that. I tell you, it's, it, this is this is um this is almost three years of of from start to to where we are right now uh, of actually uh launching. So I mean this is not a and like you talked about it, I mean this is not a overnight uh I want a cigar and just you know throw it out there. This is time has been spent and um in all different avenues. I mean, this is time well spent. I appreciate it. I <laughs> yeah, appreciate you, it. Yes, you, sir. And I, I think the thing that, that Cuff and I both appreciate is you did more than just put your name behind it and said, hey, go make it. Like, no, you, for what the term I like to use is you, you put your hands in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to that point, can you tell us exactly, not to you know, give away your recipe or anything like that, but can you tell us, you know, what is it that, it, that is actually what are inside people of, smoke? Yeah. yeah, what do they smoke so, when they get the arrival? So the best thing about, about tobacco is that someone can have the exact same tobacco in a cigar, but the percentages of each tobacco changes and make it an entirely different cigar. So I don't I don't get worried about like saying what's exactly in it because now I ain't gonna sit there and say the percentages <laughs> that are in it. But but so you have an Ecuador and Sumatra wrapper. You got an Ecuadorian Sumatra binder, and you have Brazilian, Nicaraguan, and Dominican filler. And so you get the sort of pop with the Nicaraguan that's in it. And the Dominican and the Brazil is going to give you that flavor. Um, and I, I love Ecuadorian Sumatra, whatever. That that wrapper is that's, is like, oh, yeah. Dope. So when you double down with it with the wrapper and, and the binder, you just get nothing but love with it. So, I mean, I, I think that that one, and I think you get enough in it to where it, especially when you when you are in a setting where you can actually pay attention to that cigar it's going to give you that that sort of roller coaster of man i like this i like this i like this so i i i i loved it from the jump and i can remember when we when we finalized it we ended up sending it sending it into the factory to get them to roll they they did like about 50 of them um a, a 50 piece bundle to, so i can take it back and uh me and Manny, the master blender, we grabbed one of them out of out of the out of the pack, and we were smoking it in his office. 
And I can remember I was sitting there and I was like, man, I'm liking this, but I didn't want to say nothing. I'm just sitting back like, <laughs> just wait. And I kept waiting for him to, I wanted him to, like, this is guy, he's been in it for 30 years of actually doing it. You want that stuff? I wanted to get him to be like, you know what, can't. So I'm looking up at him and I'm, and I'm glancing at him. He's not, he's just smoking it. He's in his own zone. And I look over and I'm like, hey man, like, What's what up? you think? <laughs> he's like, I think we got something. And I was like, cool. I'm, I'm over there thinking it, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to persuade him to be like, oh yeah, but I wanted him to say it and actually, uh, sort of give me that nod too, because I felt like we, we definitely, uh, tweaked a few things here and there to get it to where it is now. And, um, and it was some great tweaks. Well, I'm uh, grateful for all the research, the the energies, the um, time that you put into to this. This is quickly ascended to to one of my favorites. This is Man. going in the TVOP rotation. It 100 is, and and for that reason, uh, we have a special announcement. Um, obviously, on Saturday. This Saturday, we'll be having the annual Vision Lab uh, podcast, Golf Classic, presented by Dallas Leaf, LLC. And you are going to be the celebrity host for, for, the, um, for the Golf Classic. Um, and you'll be having some of these out there on the golf course, right? Yes, sir. These, yes, sir. I, I'm telling you. So all of you guys, make sure this Saturday, August 29th, 8.30, AM Shotgun Start Irving Golf Club. Make sure that you're there. Come meet Ken. Come meet the arrival. Come meet all of our sponsors. It's going to be an absolute fantastic uh, day. Uh, we have food and drinks. Uh, we've got Class A Vodka that will be there, and a number of other uh, sponsors will be in the building as well. Cash prizes. Cash prizes. And also, you know, definitely uh, we'll have cash prizes out there as well. Um, so hope to see you guys there. But but back to you know chopping it up with you, Ken. This is outstanding, sir. I appreciate it, man. For real. And I and we TVLP, we don't put our name behind something unless we truly believe in it. So I, I tell you this, and I and I and I mean it in a sincere form. Matter of fact, I'm telling everybody: make sure you can cop, you cop one of these immediately. It's the arrival by Ken Hamlin. Now. With that being said, where can are we up for distribution? I mean, are we out in, in retail? Yeah, where can our business so, their hands on? So within within the week, within the week, um, actually towards the end of this week, we will. <clears throat> my distribution is out of Miami, so they will be getting their hands on it, and it will be getting into shops very soon. Um, I already talked with uh, Edwina about getting it here at Blowing Smoke, so that's that's going to be one of the lounges here in Dallas that will have it. Um, and we'll make sure to have it in a few more. I've, I've met with a few other people um, to sort of get the initial talks going, but I will be uh, heavily here in, in Dallas and in Houston, um, getting that started, making this home base, and then and then spreading it out from there. So it definitely will be spreading spreading quickly. Without giving away the secret sauce, what does that look like from a brand new business, right? In, in terms of getting the arrival. The infrastructure, yeah. the infrastructure and getting it into different shops, whether they're boutique shops yeah. or major, major shops in, in, you know, whatever metropolitan area. Are you looking to hire folks? Are you looking for, you know, people to go out and get on, um, get out in front of different cigar lounges to get your name out there? So so that's another way a reason, another way that I had to do sort of my research and meeting with different brokers and 
and reps to sort of see what the the layout was to go from having a cigar now presenting it and getting it into into the hands of different lounges and i've i've sat down and done that uh quite a few times to sort of understand it um i definitely uh, no at the end of the day eventually um i want it to be big enough to where it has to you know i have to expand and, and get people on board and get brokers on board who you know have a, a certain amount of cigars that they re represent and they or if they represent just uh, the arrival to get it and uh, present it in the different regions of uh, to get it out in the cigar lounges. Right now it's me. And uh, I think it's it's good in a sense because I get to learn from the ground up of, of everything. And then once I start branching off and hiring other people, I understand the layout of what's going on so that I can have a, a, a grip on how things are sort of operating uh, without just doing it from the beginning and, you know, allowing them to do their job and not having a full understanding on what they're actually doing. But it's just, it's a conversation. Um, me and Edwina, Edwina sat here in the back and we smoked it and, you know, she liked it. And from that, that moment, it's okay. Now we're going to get it in here. Okay. And it's, it's sort of that relationship and it's, it's sort of building that relationship, networking and having that going on. And, and uh and of course having a product that you can actually say hey not just off the word of it but here try it try it and then see what it's about because i don't want to have something that and this is one reason why you won't see my name on it i don't want it to just be that's the only reason why somebody grabs it or somebody or somebody puts it in their shop or somebody smokes it for the first time i want that even when i leave to represent itself and sit by itself and sit and and actually it sells because it's a it's a good cigar and it's doing not because Ken Hamlin is is spread all over. You want to stay, you want to stand on its own. Yes, indeed. Got you. I, I tell you what I do. What we'll do is, you know, when you whenever you're in the DFW Metroplex, I know you're kind of bouncing back and forth between here and Houston. Um, but whenever you're up here, if you give us enough notice, you know, oh, yeah. I'd love to help in, in any way that we yes, can. Um, you know, getting you over to the boardroom. Uh, shout out to BP out in Fort Worth. The Godfather himself. Yep, for sure. Uh, getting him out over to um, Uncle Larry yeah. over at Lasoa. Um, getting him out and hollering at uh, Kenny Wiles. Arlington uh, um, Cigar and Tobacco. Yeah, as Old well Grapevine as Old Grapevine Cigar. Cigar. So, you know, we want to help uh, just connect the dots definitely, at the end of the day. That's definitely. It's always about, you know, helping build and lift as we climb. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, because this is something that, that – you know, we can get behind 100% for sure. So, you know, as we get ready to uh, to kind of land the plane, what's the long-term vision for the arrival? Long-term, I look at, of course, you look at some of the big names in this industry, the Padrones, the Fuentes, um, I mean, some of these cigars that have been around, I mean, Laura is the oldest uh, Dominican cigar company um and how they've been doing it since 1903 and, and um the how far they stretch and i've always said i don't want this to be a regional um or even a national type of cigar um i, I look at what i what i smoke and, and the different cigars that i smoke and and when i go to different countries and being able to enjoy different cigars out there so this is something that i would love for everybody to enjoy so the the sort of three to five year plan is to is to be national, um, and then from there, I definitely want to take it and spread it 
and, and, and get to where we can we can go to Germany and, and, and smoke the cigar. We can go and be in different areas, different different parts of the world and smoke the cigar. And but I think that the big plan first is to create a foundation um, and that foundation being Texas, being Houston, being Dallas and surrounding areas. And then from there, sort of branching out, um, I have events uh, without dates yet. I have events that I already I've already been networking prior. So uh, Atlanta, New Orleans, um, New Orleans. I See, I, I've sent this out to people who I know are smokers who have a palate that could, you know, definitely and I respect their their, their sort of reviews that they would give. So I sent them out to different people in different areas who have enjoyed it, have 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 spoken well of it. So it's like, OK, New Orleans definitely will be out there. Um, I definitely will be going to Atlanta, uh, New York, Miami, um, so Florida in general. So, uh, of course, going back to Memphis and um, and being there and then just going from there. So I think the biggest thing is really creating that base and then spreading it from there. All right. So that's, you know, your long term vision. But and you know what? I've got to ask this question since we're on the pod. We're in the lab here. Um, why why do this in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> Not that you could have planned it, but I yeah. mean, you chose to roll it out um, like in the middle of COVID that that's a global pandemic. Oh, yeah. I mean, if this could have if things didn't slow down and the factories didn't close and all that type of stuff, I would have came out with it in February when it first hit. Mm. Um, the one thing about this pandemic, it gives people time at home, gives people time in their backyards, gives people time to want to get away, especially now when right. you're having to be around the loved ones so much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you might want to step outside for a little bit, extended time, whatever. So uh, I've seen so many people who go to the lounge and grab cigars for the house and, and you know, want to have something to to sort of, you know, just have a little getaway. Um, Everybody a little bed time. At night. Oh, yes, indeed. Everybody steps away. Yo, y'all go to bed. I'm going to go spend an hour or so out here. So let me debrief. This is, this is definitely, yeah, <laughs> this is definitely something to sort of decompress and um, and sort of have a, a small getaway from everything. But um, I think that it, it it definitely is coming out when it when it's supposed to, regardless of what happened. It all happened for a reason. Um, so I took it as not trying to, trying to like get uh, frustrated or upset with it. This is uh, the time that we're in. And um, I think that it would be a, a positive to the time that we're in. So you've got two beautiful kids. Yes, indeed. Um, and we talked at the beginning of the podcast about mindset, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's one attribution of, of the show. It's one pillar of the show. But as you look at Ken Hamlin, you know, top to bottom and who you are intrinsically, if you could give your kids one characteristic or one skill, just one, what would you give them? Ooh, I'd probably say that determination. Um, my kids are going to be special in their own their own right their own ways, um, but just that determination, the, the the never quit, the never give up type of mentality. Um, because I feel like, especially in, in 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 this generation that we have so many things. That, I mean, I think every generation, whatever, of course, wants their kids to be better or grow grow up better than we did. So we spoil them a little bit more than they get spoiled a little bit more. Then it goes down the line. So the sort of fight 
the one negative to that, I think, is that the fight in them is not as much because it's it's never had of, to be. It's sort of given. It like, yeah, was so, required. Yeah, so they didn't have to do deal with. I mean, I talk about this with my wife all the time. Is that she like she's sort of green to what I had to deal with growing up. She's like. What? Like, I thought the police were, they were nice. We used to talk to them all the time. Like, that type of stuff. Like, I'm like, no, we ran the other way. Like, so just that whole concept of understanding that, you know what, you, you can still do a whole bunch if you have that fight and that will and that determination to want to do it. And, um, and, and it'll just push you even further. Even though you have the skill set, you still got to push a little bit more so that this person that's working even harder doesn't come behind you and take what you want and take what you've been working for. And um, I think that's the one thing that I would give them that they could use with everything else that they're going to have to sort of take them to a whole nother level. It's that spirit of determination. Oh, no question. So uh, one of the final questions we ask everybody on the show, it is you with, I'm sure, a, a box full of arrivals and a round table, just like the one we're sitting at right now. And there's five other seats at that table. Who do you want at your table? Ooh. So I bring. I, I always have a few people that that are like minded with me. So um, the one caveat is you can't have Jesus. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they can be dead. Oh or alive. man, you so know that what? Opens that up too. A guy that I always want to sit and smoke with is Jordan, um, and to have him smoke the arrival would would be would be magical. It's the dude that I mean. I think I think that the whole series that came out sort of showed. Even though he he might have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, he had a mindset. He knew what it take to get there, and you either gonna be on this boat or not. And I love that about him because, regardless on however you got to get there, whatever. Listen, we are gonna get there fighting and screaming, but the goal that we all want is gonna happen if you get on this boat. So that's one guy that I would right say there. that I would say would be on be at the table with me. Um, let's see. It's tough, man, because think about all the different people that, oof. And you only have four more seats. Four more seats. Mm. Oh, man. Let's see. This is going to be uh, – I'm trying to be very picky with my seats. Huh. Obama. I think that throughout what he had to inherit, what he had to go through, and not even understanding fully what he had to go through to get to where he was, he sort of had, he had to have tough skin. Uh, he had to have the determination with all the no's that he probably got, with all the people who, the naysayers and the people who tried to hold him back to get where he was and to be who he is and to still be as eloquent as, <laughs> and as straightforward and and sort honorable. of that and honorable that gentleman um and to basically give that that vision to a lot of us and a lot of the kids growing up i think that he definitely uh represents the strong black man and and, and just the willpower to get to where he is so i think that would definitely be another that's two um yeah. oof. Jesus, that was, that was too hard. <laughs> um, three, you know what? So, of course, playing my position um, in football, a guy that I sort of admired and 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 playing the position that I played was Ronnie Lott. Um, a guy that 
I mean, you think about it. Dude cut his finger off, whatever, sit there and continue to, to play like, the game yeah. and to continue to be out there for his guys and to contribute in a certain way. Hard-hitting guy, played the game a certain way that was respected. And um, I think that that would just be, of course, the gems that he would probably shoot out would be memorable. You know, um, I thought you were going to go down the uh, the road of uh, of Rod, uh, Rod Woodson. If it wasn't going to be – if it wasn't going to be, and this is another guy that I that I I contribute a lot to, whatever Steve Atwater, yeah. Um, and actually, I got to develop a relationship with him. Him being, he played at Arkansas. Um, while I was there, they connected me with him, and we and we. Um, they saw know. him. They saw him and you. Oh yeah, we had. I mean, we had Kenoy Kennedy in between him, who was still there his senior year when I was coming in, um, and to those two guys, hard hitting playing the game with the way I love to play it. So I got to connect with him and, you know, and just have that conversation, the different conversation with him, him being at the game and shooting me different nuggets. That was huge. That was yeah. huge for me. I mean, to, to be able to, and that was the whole thing I was talking about growing up is not having that guy to sort of, okay, to, Hey, what about this? And talking with him and him giving those different things because he actually played the game. Right. So I think that was huge. Um, so you still got two. Because I, I know I threw out. You, yeah, uh, we're not yeah, going. So, we're not going to add. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you got you got MJ, you got Ronnie Lott and Barack. Whew. Think about this this industry that I'm in now. Um, the guy that I mentioned, Guillermo Leon. I mean, in every business, like just the whole business mindset that he has. And to to be so successful, but to be so humble in how he does it, it it just shows that you can you can be you can be who you want to be and do what you want to do, but not have to be that cocky and 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 still bring people along. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing with a lot of us. I mean, whether it, whether it's black, white, or whatever, is that we have that whole crab in the bucket mentality oh, sometimes wow. to where. We don't want to bring other people along. We we want to. It's mine and leave it at that. Yeah. And I think that he shows. I mean, with with just the way that he is, that it's not just about him getting it. It's about him and then pulling other people up to get what they want and to show them the way the way to do it too. So, I think he definitely is an example of of uh, doing it a certain way and actually, um, you know, sharing it and, and passing it on. Lifting as we climb. No question. And the last seat I'd probably put, I mean, I, I think I'd have to I'd have to do a zoom with a lot of a lot of young kids. Um because I don't my biggest thing, whatever, and I think that this is the one thing that was a positive for me is when I did get in the league and right before I actually went to the draft, was having conversations with guys who were in the league to give you the certain nuggets to not go through the same thing that they went through. Oh. So you can bypass a lot of that. And I think that that's the one thing that if they're open to it, having that conversation with young, the younger generation so that they don't have to. I have nieces and nephews, whatever that I, especially my nephew who's playing football and wanting to have those conversations with him so that he understands. So he doesn't have to go through the same hardships. And I think that's the thing, whatever. So that would be an open book of open sort of, conversation with just the young, the, the the younger generation so that they understand where they're at, what they could do and how they can get there without having to make that left. They can keep straight. That's I love what you did there. You took a seat 
and then gave it to more people. He's the first person on the show. You're correct. To ever do that. And that that taps into what this is all about. Not only what all this is about, but your mindset and your spirit to to give back to others. And that it's not about yeah, just man. Ken Hamlin, but the creativity to say, OK, I've got one seat, but I can spread that out to everybody via zoom put the put the put the laptop down and just and just have an open open form use that technology um ladies and gentlemen boys and girls to all of our visionaries that are tuning in this has been an absolute treat before we land this plane real quickly ken go ahead and drop your social media handles for anyone that has questions comments they want to get uh they want to cop the arrival and they want to learn how to get it so website uh all of your social media handles so twitter and instagram ken underscore hamlin um the arrival arrival cigars is the uh the instagram for for the actual cigar and the website is arrivalcigars.com and um right now i'm doing pre-orders for just boxes but we're going to expand and have uh single or 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 paired uh sales as well as box sales on the website and they will be they will be in a lounge near you sooner than later. Um, so I will be doing the footwork to make sure that that happens uh, so that we can sit down, have a conversation, enjoy something uh, that that hopefully everyone will enjoy. And they will. I can promise you that. Definitely. I appreciate it, man. All right. So here's my last, here's the last question for the podcast. Um, what advice would Ken Hamlin be giving himself from five years ago? Ooh. Um, this ain't your average podcast. I was just about to say, man, this is, uh, you know what? I, I think the advice that I give myself, biggest probably thing is to plan and really not wait for anyone else. Wow. Um, I think a lot of times we want to, we want to do the whole bringing people along so much that we we miss out on opportunities. Mm. Um, and if you have a plan, put it in place and and put the work behind it to go ahead and make it happen. Yeah. Um, we we are we are all entrepreneurs in our own right, and we have to make sure to put it out there and don't let anybody hold you back regardless if it's because you're waiting on them or because you think it's some financial thing or or because they say you can't do it um to be able to have that mental strength to know what you want and know it how you want it to be and put it out regardless of any naysayer i think that's the biggest thing i probably tell myself is just move forward and put the plan in action love it love it so we're gonna fast forward the clock you and i are the same age so we're gonna make us a little bit older <laughs> five years older um what what advice is the older version of ken hamlin what advice is he giving you today enjoy life travel the world um you know i'm i'm always going to instill and, and and drop nuggets to my little ones but the biggest thing now is is that I I've had my run of of the whole football world. I want to make sure that you know, even five years from now that this run is bigger than the run that I had wow. in football. Wow! So 
the grind doesn't stop. It's just in a whole different avenue, a different lane, and um, it's fun. I mean, just like football was. I mean, it, it's it's a sport. It's a sport, and I look at this as a sport. It was, I mean, you know, you're on the field with a whole bunch of guys, and you're running around throwing throwing around a, a, a pigskin. And in this whole avenue, I'm having fun with guys who can kick back, smoke a cigar, share information, network. And um, it's it's just as enjoyable for me in this avenue than it was in the prior one. That's absolutely dope. So listen up, visionaries. Thank you for tuning in to another phenomenal episode with the one and only Ken Hamlin. Uh, make sure you cop the arrival. Um, also, as a reminder, come check us out August 29th, uh, Saturday, this Saturday at the Irving Golf Club. So if you're in the DFW Metroplex and you're looking for some fun and you want to actually taste this uh, cigar, it's absolutely amazing. Make sure you come out and check us out. Uh, but remember, all of our guests here on the Vision Lab podcast are leaving nuggets of wisdom here on the trail of life. It's up to you to pick them up. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ryan Mosley. He is Ryan Cuffey. The voice you've been listening to is Ken Hamlin. Um, again, the arrival uh, is a cigar line. It will be available in stores, online, anywhere that you can think of. You will be able to get your hands on it very, very soon. Uh, Ken, thank you again for your time. Man, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, indeed. Er, er. Ladies and gentlemen, again, we will see you all on Saturday at the Urban Golf Club for the annual Vision Lab Podcast Golf Classic. Shotgun started at 830. Um, until then, we will see you next week on another great episode of the Vision Lab Podcast. Blessings. <laughs>